listening to Soho Radio's Culture Channel. On SohoRadioLondon.com. It's Roaring Twenties Radio back on Soho Radio. It's September. It's autumn. We've had a gorgeous long summer break. We've come back with so much energy. We've got so much to share with you. Art and culture, books and poetry, music and activism. I'm Selena Godden and I'm here in the studio with my co-presenter. Amarose Abrams and we are kicking off with a bit of suede and shadow self.
Welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. You're here with Amarose and Selena Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> very excited to be back here. We've had a very long break, and uh, sorry to say that Matt Abbott isn't here with us. He's got the dreaded COVID. Yeah, poor so Matt. Sending love yeah, and 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 hugs. Hope, yeah, be well soon. Sending soup and tea and all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Get well soon, Matt. Well, basically, we've had a long break, as you said, and we've been up to all kinds of different things. Um, I've been writing a lot, travelling more, which has been quite fun. And um, one interview that I did that was really exciting was talking to Isaac Julian uh, about his uh, exhibition in New York at the Barnes, no, in Philadelphia, at the Barnes Foundation. It's dealing with the Harlem Renaissance and the kind of influence of Alan Locke. And um, he's done a lot of work looking at Langston Hughes and basically black queer art and writing of that period and this film which was really amazing was an extension of that so that was a real treat to speak to him because he's an extremely articulate and verbose man so that was for Artnet and I we can tweet that out like at some point after the show if you're interested another thing that I did I've never done an album review before and I reviewed Suede's album mm-hmm. you have <laughs> I know so that was fun <laughs> I really enjoyed that and um, it's such a fun opportunity to I did that for Quietus and it's always great to write for them because you can do something creative with the writing. So it was like a bit of art in there and a bit of music, which I really loved. But what have you been up to, Selena? Um, well, since we did, the, I think the last time we were in the studio together was June. So June, I had my big birthday. That was a very exciting time. And oh, and my, my novel, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death, scooped up the Indie Book Award. Just the, a little mention. And the People's Book Prize. Woo! So that was very exciting. And so the summer was lots of gigs and lots of festivals. I was up in Scotland quite a bit. I did a tour with James Yorkston and Griff Rees and Brigitte Campbell up in the Highlands of Scotland. That was a real highlight of my summer and I was actually doing a bit of singing. I've really missed doing music and collaborating. Um, so that was funny and and lots of laughs and, and just really, yeah, just really inspiring. Just going up to Shetland and Inverness and right up there, places I've never been to before, St Andrews and Peebles. It was, it was wonderful. Um, and then I think my festival highlight of the summer, as in camping with the caravan, was probably also festival. I really loved it. It was really, it was really, really it was just we camped by the river and, and it was just a really chilled festival so if you're wondering what festival to do also festival let's let's all meet there next summer i really loved it um and yeah so just gigging and writing and and doing you know selena type things yeah what's been going on yes Mm. 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 and um i also wanted to ask you about how you're feeling about the passing of hillary mantel I'm very sad about it. So she's a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. She's just a double Booker Prize winner. She's just an absolutely fantastic, fantastic. Like I can't believe she's gone actually. And then I know a lot of people really looked up to her. Um, if I may, I'm just going to play like this tiny little minute of this thing I found um, this morning. Um, if you go to BBC Sounds, you can find the wreath lectures and um and as you know i'm really drawn to history and death and writing about death and living and here is hillary mantle and this little piece of this essay um i'm going to play but the you can listen to the whole thing on bbc sounds but here's just the very beginning and it's the day is for living
says, the dead are invisible. They are not absent. You needn't believe in ghosts to know that that's true. We carry the genes and the culture of our ancestors. And what we think about them shapes what we think of ourselves and how we make sense of our time and place. Are these good times, bad times, interesting times? We rely on history to tell us. History and science help us put our small lives into context. But if we want to meet the dead looking alive, we turn to art. There's a poem by W.H. Auden called As I Walked Out One Evening. The glacier knocks in the cupboard, the desert sighs in the bed, the crack in the teacup opens a lane to the land of the dead. The purpose of my first lecture is to ask if this lane is a two-way street. In imagination, we chase the dead, shouting, come back. We may suspect that the voices we hear are an echo of our own, and the movement we see is our own shadow. But we sense the dead have a vital force still. They have something to tell us, something we need to understand. Using fiction and drama, we try to gain that understanding. In these talks, I hope to show that there are techniques we can use. I don't claim we can hear the past or see it, but I say we can listen and look.
Now then, my name is Matt Abbott and you are listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. The monthly show for art, culture, now then, books, poetry and My name is Matt Abbott and you are We're absolutely buzzing to be back with a new series of episodes after taking a little break over the summer. But if you're listening to this and I've pre-recorded it, it means that I'm stuck at home in Leeds with COVID, which is pants. And I've got to be honest, it has lost the novelty factor. Not that it was ever great in the first place. Um, so I've got a big roundup uh, of content and events and releases from the world of spoken word poetry. I'm going to start off with the events. This Monday, up in Salford, The Bose. It is one of the best nights in the North West, and it is free at the King's Arms. You need to book a ticket on Eventbrite, because obviously it is going to sell out. But you can see Elizabeth McGowan and Leon the Pig Farmer this Monday night in Salford for free. Uh, at the bus which is a great night as i said on thursday uh, this coming thursday the 29th of september there's two events one in london and one in leeds so chances are you can only make it to one of them if you're lucky enough to make it to either on thursday the 29th in london at outspoken it is helen mott kathleen jamie victoria adequai bailey and plus some live music as well and outspoken as you know is at the south bank center and tickets are 10 pounds and then up in leeds uh, my night tub thumping presented by nims and thugs that is kevin p gilday and sophie sparham plus the showcase section hosted by maria ferguson and yours truly that's at the constitutional in farsley and that is also 10 pounds so thursday the 29th try and get to london or leeds if you can Monday the 3rd of October, also in London, this is BYOB Poetry. That's at Box Park in Wembley. These BYOB Poetry Nights have been popping up at various Box Park venues around London, I've noticed. Um, And the Wembley one seems to have a real buzz about it. So the headliner on Monday the 3rd of October is Paul Bradshaw. There's also Open Mike and DJing from Haroon Khan. That one's free as well, but again, you need to book your tickets on Eventbrite, so make sure you get on that ASAP if you want to go along. Thursday the 6th of October is National Poetry Day, which is very exciting for about 0.1% of the population, myself included. Uh, So if you are down Bristol way, you should go to Raise the Bar because Harry Baker is there doing a full show. Support acts as well, including Leila Josephine, who I'll play later on. So that's at the Arnold Feeney. It's £10 for a ticket or £8 concessions. That's Thursday the 6th of October at Raise the Bar in Bristol. On Saturday the 8th of October, up in Ilkley in West Yorkshire, as part of the Ilkley Literature Festival, you can see Kim Moore and Amanda Dalton in the Church House for £10 or £7 concessions. And that's part of Ilkley Lit Fest, which runs from the 7th to the 23rd of October. Tuesday the 11th of October in Birmingham, the Verve Poetry Night, Selena Godden, Repeat Beat Poet, Elizabeth McGowan and Priyanka Josh, that's at the Glee Club and it's only £6. So Tuesday the 11th of October in Birmingham, Selena Godden plus guests, £6, you cannot argue with that. Also, on the 11th of October, if you can't make it to Birmingham, try and get to Manchester. As part of Manchester Literature Festival, you can see Inua Ellums and Yomi Sword at Contact for £12. Or £10 if you're under 35, which is apparently a thing. So Manchester Lit Fest runs from the 7th to the 23rd of October. And as I say, that's on Tuesday the 11th at Contact. Penultimate event I'm going to plug is up in Durham in the North East. So on Sunday the 16th of October, as part of Durham Book Festival, you can see their festival laureate, Hannah Lowe. So that's at the Gala Theatre. It's £10 for a ticket. And if you can't make it there, it's £5 if you want to join the live stream. So that's a Sunday afternoon, nice chill event. Hanalo is fantastic, as I'm sure you know, and it's five quid if you can't make it, but £10 if you can. And then finally, 
on Thursday the 20th of October this is a night that I really want to shout about it's up in Bradford it's called Bihari Poetry around 70% of the Pakistani population speak Bihari and so this night is hosted by Nabila Ahmed and she invites poets obviously to share poetry in Bihari and various different languages this month's guests include, include Adalat Ali Mukhtar Azar Karbalai Mumtaz Awan Tajpuri and Nadim Mir it's at Waterstones and it's, and it's free so that's Thursday the 20th of October in Bradford Whew. That is my roundup of events. Tons of stuff going on. We're in silly season now. Everyone's back from the summer holidays and we're cramming in loads of culture and poetry and stuff before the dreaded C word rears its head. So I'm going to move on to releases now. I've picked out five poetry releases. Uh, all of these are available on pre-order, so I'm teasing you a little bit, but you should definitely get involved. So up first is Louise Fazakali, who is one of my favourite poets. She signed to Nymphs of Thugs. You've probably heard us mention Louise before and play some of her stuff. Her new collection, The Pleasure Dome, is out on Burning Eye Books on the 28th of September. It's available to pre-order for 9 I'm going to read you a little bit of a blurb now. Take your little feelings junkie self on a dash through the house of fun. Here is hedonism and anhedonia, a.k.a. the inability to feel anything, explored through lyric poetry and dystopian prose poetry. Here are the romantic poets. Here are some bands from the 1980s. Here is a bathroom. Here is a place where the super rich get to use your organs instead of theirs. Think escapism, mother's guilt and drink. Some of it set in an alternate dimension of distorted mirrors and super fun balloons. Dilettantes and the discerning brain are welcome here. So that is The Pleasure Dome with Louise Vazakali, um, published by Burning Eye Books on the 28th of September. Next is Kathleen Ossip with Little Poems. That's published by Verve Poetry Press on the 29th of September and it's available to pre-order for £7.50. During the deepest days and nights of spring 2020, Kathleen Ossip, like many of us, was stuck at home and anxious. She found herself turning inward toward memory, imagination and immediate domestic and natural environments with few distractions. The constraints and compressions of daily life a walking path, a jigsaw puzzle, a partner, rummaging through old notebooks, watching political chaos unfold, resulted in this book of little poems. So that's Little Poems, published by Verve on the 29th of September. Next is Katie O'Prey with Apricot. That's published by Outspoken Press on the 3rd of October, and it's available to pre-order for 11 99 Apricot is a devastating debut from the one, of, one of the UK's brightest and most fascinating poets, Written with the urgency of someone who knows they might not make it through the weekend. Katie O'Praise is a highly articulate poetics, kicking against the language of convention that would seek to limit us. The improvisational vocabulary at play here engenders both a developed identity and a young identity continuously being made, as each section of a book subverts the questions of mental health practitioners with wisdom and panache. These poems do not just concern the violence of gender, of sexuality, of disability, of addiction. They reinvigorate how these violences can be understood. This is a collection of singular quality. So that is Apricot by Katie O'Prey, published by Outspoken on the 3rd of October. Anya Koenig is publishing a pamphlet called Species with Bad Betty Press. That is being published on the 18th of October and is available to pre-order for £6. In Species... Anya Koenig examines the absurdity and connectivity of being, with candor, empathy and irresistible black humour. Each poem in Species creates an aperture, a flash of surprise, delight or grief, of a precipice of nature, the human animal's place within it, the catch-22 of belonging all at once to a body, the earth and each other. 
So that is Species by Andrew Koenig on Bad Betty Press on the 18th of October. And then finally, R.G. Manuel Pillai with Improvised Explosive Device. That's published by Pending the Margins on the 24th of October and is available to pre-order for 9 99 Improvised Explosive Device is a startlingly innovative exploration of extremism, hate crime and violence by poet R.G. Manuel Pillai. In this powerful and unsettling first collection, Manuel Pillai presents a vision of a contemporary, haunted by Melville's image of a whale, the terror beneath the surface of the sea. His uncompromising focus on violence is laced with gallows humour and the surreal, framed against the montane detritus of modern life, two boys playing mortal combat, a field of old trainers, the lonely glare of laptop light, a suspicious looking package in the backseat of a van. The poems in Improvised Explosive Device emerged through research and interviews with academics, sociologists and former members of extremist groups and their families, from the English Defence League and the National Front to ISIS and the Tamil Tigers. These complex, unnerving texts ask a series of important questions. What drives a person to commit a radical act of violence? How is that violence mediated through screens and social media? And how does the British government police marginalised groups? Improvised Explosive Device is a brave, surprising and risk-taking book. It will change the way you look at the world. So that is Improvised Explosive Device by R.G. Manuel Pillai by pending the margins of the 24th of October. And then finally, I'm just going to bring you a little selection of content and news. So first up, there's an excellent in-depth feature on the Grammy website, grammy.com, on the creation of the Best Spoken Word Poetry Album category. So it includes interviews with Grammy-nominated poets Jay Ivey and Seku Andrews, plus tons of industry folk and some great video clips, and a look at the relationship between spoken word poetry and music. So the fact that there's now a Best Spoken Word Poetry Album category in the Grammys is obviously great, and it'll do a lot for the art form. But as an aside... Uh, so I run a spoken word record label, but when I say run a record label, it is a very tiny, minuscule DIY independent venture. But I couldn't possibly submit something for consideration. So we just don't have anywhere near the clout or infrastructure to meet the distribution criteria to be able to submit something for that, which is a little frustrating, of course. But I do think in terms of a bigger picture, it is good that the Grammys have introduced this category. So if you go to the Grammy website, it's in their news feature. It's really, really good. It's just interesting, and some of the content that they share on there is great as well. Um, my favourite feature this month that I found is on the LA Review of Books, so lareviewofbooks.org. They've published an article which follows a study, and it's called 101 Black Women Poets in Mainly White Rooms and Mainly Black Rooms. So it's a fascinating long read following a study on the differences in performances by 101 Black Women Poets. Um, as I say, some of the performances are in mainly white rooms and some of them are in mainly black rooms in terms of the audience makeup. Um, and it looks at how the performances change accordingly, how the audience responses might change and the subtleties and intricacies of spoken word poetry performance in general. It also looks at the vocal dynamism of black people from working class backgrounds versus the generally accepted poet voice that tends to dominate the more white middle class literary scene. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. You've got to check it out. That's on the L.A. Review of Books. I tweeted it from Nims and Thugs the other day. If you go to the Verve Poetry Festival YouTube channel, you'll see some clips from the, well, not clips, actually full events from their BBC Contain Strong Language the other weekend. So Verve teamed up with the BBC to deliver Contain Strong Language and some of their entire events are on there for you to watch back and there's some really, really great stuff on there. The Women Poets Prize longlist has been announced. So they've announced a 30 strong longlist after a record 910 entries. 
a huge congratulations to everybody that made it onto that long list and it'll be exciting to see who's on the shortlist and then who wins and then finally loud poets they produce loads of great content and events if you go to the loud poets youtube channel uh, they've put up a load of stuff which is their best of the fringe so they hosted an event at the scottish storytelling center throughout edinburgh fringe and there's a ton of videos on there under their best of the fringe uh, series from uh, Shanae Newsom James, Jake Wilde Hall, Jasmine Gardosi, Kevin McLean, and loads of people. So make sure you check that out on the Loud Poets YouTube channel. That is my roundup for this month. I hope you enjoyed it and find some exciting events and content out there. I shall leave you with a track. Devil sits and waits for me Drinking Coca-Cola Punched upon plastic three-piece sweet Chipping at the Arctic caps Adds three ice cubes to his glass Starts an earthquake, starts to laugh Fracking deep for laughing gas Sail upon the seven seas Chase the setting sun with me Death and tax a certainty Case of Rogers dance with me Living in the moment We don't really think about consequence Who cares about tomorrow When you're having the time of your life Now the fish are vacuum packed Full of plastic, plastic wrapped East Judgeon comes out my tap But can we all believe these facts? Now the birds all turn to black Drowned in oil and cooked in fat Fat cats fix the race of rats And all the fast food chains are packed Sail upon the seven seas Chase the setting sun with me Death and tax a certainty Case of Rogers, dance with me Living in a moment We don't really think about consequence Who cares about tomorrow When you're having the time of your life Let's hold on to each other We can never know what the future holds The ladder are starting to rock Starts at the bottom and spreads to the top Charter of Liberty's done made me love Seats in the house are about to collide Tomorrow when
Let's hold on to each other We can never know what the future holds Forget about tomorrow Cause we're having the time of our lives Gemma Rogers there. I just love this new album. What's the title of the album, Rose? It's called No Place Like Home. Yeah, let's all let's all go and get that. Gemma Rogers, she was a guest on our show, I reckon, oh, about six months ago. Yes. Yeah. And since then she's had a baby, hasn't she? She has indeed, indeed. So if you um if you want to check that out, you can find us. We're on um Twitter. This is the bit that Matt normally does, but we're <laughs> at Twitter at Roaring Twenties Radio. So that's Roaring as in Lion. And then Twenties the number and then a little S and then radio. And we're also on Instagram and we're available as a podcast. Where can you find our podcast? SohoRadio.com There you go. And so you can find all our shows there and there's a gorgeous interview there with Gemma Rogers. Okay, we're going to go back to Matt now and Matt has selected some amazing poetry. So go and uh, get yourself a little beer or a little cup of tea and just chill out and listen to some beautiful poetry. Take it away, Matt. So this is a poem that I was commissioned to write by Jeremy Corbyn's official campaign team back in 2019. They released it in the lead up to the 2019 general election on all of Jeremy Corbyn's social media profiles and it is being voiced by the one and only Michael Sheen. A poem for the people who want real change. For those who see a history of compassion and community. Terrace streets with open doors and a land of opportunity who see decades of diversity as Britain's greatest strength and believe to right injustice, we should go to any length. Who embrace the fact that no matter what we've always pulled together, who recognize that for some folk, this change is now or never. For the childhoods dictated by poverty, the elderly left without care, for the nurses relying on food banks, the patients left dying on trolleys, the woman whose wage is dictated by gender, for public services which will never surrender, for the first-time voters who are desperate to have a say, for those who know that Britain can do better, for the people whose rent is a source of anxiety, for those who believe in an equal society, For the people who want to retire before they die. Who don't want to sell our NHS to Trump. For those who can't stomach tuition fees or private schools being charities. Who want Royal Mail, energy firms, railways and water to put people over profit. In terms longer rather than shorter. For the planet that won't wait around for Parliament. The people who feel punished for being disabled. For the teacher whose savings are plundered on textbooks. For the student whose education costs a bomb. For the struggling single parent whose contracts zero hours. For the families suffering nightmares in cladding covered towers. For the people with a bereavement which was caused by austerity. And who want their politicians to respond with sincerity. It's a poem for the people who want to transform the way we do things. 
who want a Britain built on empathy and innovation, who recognize potential in every postcode, who want to take the opportunity of a generation. It's a poem for the people who want a country built on hope, who don't see kindness or compassion as strange. It's a poem for the people who inspired this manifesto and for those who know it's time for real change. Here's a fantastic poem that I've dug out from the archives. This is by a poet called June Jordan. It was recorded in the 1970s on radio in New York, and it's called A Menace to My Enemies. The poem is called I Must Become a Menace to My Enemies, and it's dedicated to the poet Agostino Neto, who is the president of the People's Republic of Angola. I will no longer lightly walk behind a one of you who fear me, be afraid. I plan to give you reasons for your jumpy fits and facial tics. I will not walk politely on the pavements anymore, and this is dedicated in particular to those who hear my footsteps or the insubstantial rattling of my grocery cart, then turn around, see me, and hurry on away from this impressive terror I must be. I plan to blossom bloody on an afternoon surrounded by my comrades singing terrible revenge in merciless accelerating rhythms, but I have watched a blind man studying his face. I have set the table in the evening and sat down to eat the news. Regularly I have gone to sleep. There is no one to forgive me. The dead do not give a damn. I live like a lover who drops her dime into the phone just as the subway shakes into the station, wasting her message, canceling the question of her call. Fulminating or forgetful but late, and always after the fact that could save or condemn me, I must become the action of my fate. How many of my brothers and my sisters will they kill before I teach myself retaliation? Shall we pick a number? South Africa, for instance, do we agree that more than 10,000 in less than a year, but that less than 5,000 slaughtered in more than six months will what is the matter with me? I must become a menace to my enemies, and if I, if I ever let you slide, who should be extirpated from my universe, who should be cauterized from earth completely, law and order jerk-offs of the first, the terrorist degree, then let my body fail my soul in its bedeviled ledgeries, and if I, if I ever let love go, because the hatred and the whisperings become a phantom dictate I obey in lieu of impulse and realities the blossoming flamingos of my wild mimosa trees then let love freeze me out i must become i must become a menace to my enemies 
So this is a poem by R.G. Manuel Palai, whose debut collection I preview in my roundup, and this poem is called After the Sri Lankan Bombing. Hello, my name's R.G. I'm promoting my book Martin Rolls from Outspoken Press. I'd really appreciate it if you go and buy it. I'm going to read you a poem from this book. It's called After the Sri Lankan Bombing That Kills 360, After the 20-Year War That Killed Significantly More. After the news, my skin feels darker. Prayers for, thoughts for, texted condolence. But the majority of my relatives are long dead, mostly from natural causes. I'm only Sri Lankan at weddings and funerals or for inquisitive white people. Uncle Prithi is marked as safe. No damn tissues in this house, buffering only slow-moving heads like watching slow-mo ping-pong, like when my brother had a splinter I knew wouldn't come out on its own, downloaded. Everyone on the news looks like my uncle or auntie, cousin or nephew, but poorer or dead. Ah, back to the good old days, Amama would say, buffering, bathed in sun and blood. Rajkumar marked safe. My uncle tells me, typing, they don't need therapy in Sri Lanka, they just get on with it, typing. Like taking out the trash, last seen 0547. Or burying a body or detonating a bomb in the buffet line of the Cinnamon Grand Hotel. From here, on the toilet, it's all just a cluster of tiny red faces wailing in a language I don't understand. In a country I can't, oh look, that's where Mama and Uppa first met. This poem was recorded at a SoFar Sounds event in Glasgow. It's by Leila Josephine, whose debut collection is out with Burning Eye Books next month. It's called In Public, In Private. Um, and this poem is called Sunrises on the Kingston Bridge. Our pedigree poison. Only the best cheers to us and fuck the rest. Sunrises on the Kingston Bridge. Watch us try and live ourselves inside out as we get our taxis back from the south. Glass towers and cranes, motorways tumble into cobbled lanes. The window frames our city whizzing past as the sun confronts us all about the night before. Our city was built on squares, grown up and taught that nobody cares. The benches in London are playing truth or bit dare. Our city was built like a Rubik's Cube, always felt like we had nothing to lose. Cut in half by the Clyde, half a mile wide and bone deep under bridges. People try to sleep. How you doing? I'm fine. Staying out of trouble. Seeing double. The bevy built our bricks, oiled our ships, salt and vinegar on our fish and chips. Friday night dinners in our tenements with their tenants and close closes. And the pubs pour onto the streets. Suits and short skirts in between finger snouts. Music leaking out. A taxi driver shouts here. The rain falls horizontal, but he's got his hallmark tonic and hand filled tonto. Puddles reflecting the orange light, gutters swallowing the night, gulping at the small seas that lap the pavement. A couple are arguing on the corner, she's slurring, please don't do this. Arms around arms, people spill out of bars and barrow lands in stadiums, zigzag lines, state of them. Can't remember the concert they waited a fortune for. Tomorrow they'll be ill and sore. And the seagulls are perched like CCTV or picking at kebabs. Never could put a finger on what makes us so mad. So many of us never worked out who we wanted to be. Our identity splashed us up, washed us up. Pull your head in and just get fucked. My city is greedy swollen 
sulking itself into seedy slumber, fat blubber, all smiles and laughs and lies that people make this city. People drink this city. The city drowns its people while some beg in empty entrances hoping that someone will take a proper look at them. Sleeping bag around their knees, sitting at dusk watching the ground freeze. Why would I give them money? They're just going to spend it on drink and drugs and I want to spend it on drink and drugs. And the kids in the West, they do the same, but they call it council coke. We are no like the junkies, but, and they go unannounced, bouncing, dancing, clubs, hitting hands off ceilings, scared their lives have no meanings and the walls are wet with their wishes. Hands pulling at faces, chatting vinyls, failing finals, doing the same thing round and round. Patsy at 100 pound, never searched on the streets. Their parents doing what they can to keep the records clean and the Roma they sell their flowers hands to mouth in the mouth please my friend jaw spinning eye swinging turns her back without a word only a plastered smirk on the wall she's built around herself the bevy runs right through my city the veins are the same colour as the bucky the Clyde mucky built on violence stony silence and squares to be solved our pedigree poison only the best, cheers to us and fuck the rest. Sunrise is on the Kingston Bridge, watch us try and live ourselves inside out as we get our taxis back from the south. Nobody, yeah. Pull up another Rari, yeah. Be a feelings that my carry. Pull up another Audi, yeah. I ain't out watching nobody, yeah. Pull up another Cardi, yeah. I ain't out watching nobody but you. Pull up another Lada. Put me off the Benz and the Prada. And a couple brand new Ada. All of them fully don't matter. Zero to a hundred and two. Yeah, so I'ma flex for you All in on my section view, I said for you Then me get a text come true So I'ma show you what my legs can do Pull up another party, yeah I ain't not watching nobody, yeah Pull up another Rari, yeah Be a feelings that my carry Pull up another party, yeah I ain't not watching nobody, yeah Pull up another Cardi, yeah I ain't not watching nobody but you I don't play you will never ever find another like me, yeah You should know you made my day And I lost my hoes when you came my way But you changed my mood, mm. Oh, you're so rude, yeah Then my try push up and shoot, mm. But you're well subtle and smooth, yeah, yeah, yeah Pull up another party, yeah I ain't not watching nobody, yeah Pull up another Rari, yeah Be a feelings that my carry Pull up another party, yeah I ain't not watching nobody, yeah Pull up another card, yeah. I ain't not watching nobody but you. Pull up another ladder. But me have the Benz and the Prada. And a couple brand new Ada. All of them fully don't matter. Zero to a hundred and two. Yeah, so I'm a flex for you. All in on my section view, I set for you. Then me get a text come true, so I'ma show you what my legs can do. Pull up another party, yeah. I ain't not watching nobody, yeah. Pull up another Rari, yeah Be a feelings that my carry Pull up another Audi, yeah I ain't out to nobody, yeah 
Pull up another card, yeah I ain't not watching nobody but you
Do you remember it's September? Do you remember it's September? Um, okay, sorry, getting a bit carried away there. <laughs> Coming over to you, Rose. What's been happening in the art world? What have you got to tell us about for autumn? Autumn for art, everything is kicking off. The summer is so sleepy, but it is all systems go in the art world at the moment. Market-wise, there was a first ever freeze soul. So South Korea's first freeze art fair, which was a huge deal within the um, art world and the market. And in terms of exhibitions, wow, we have so many great shows that just opened in London. I'm going to tell you about ones that I've seen. I haven't seen them all. Um, but I saw a great show at 198 Contemporary Arts with Ben Jones. That was a really interesting show in Hearn Hill. I saw Olga de Amaral, uh, which is, uh, she is a Colombian artist who has a solo show at Listen Gallery in Listen Grove. It was really, really fantastic show and um, I saw Anna Imhoff has a show at Spruth Magas in Mayfair which was really great and um, also there was the you know very famous artist William Kentridge who has his big survey that opened at the Royal Academy this week which is is a lot of film it's a lot of time I would advise taking time to go and see that um, but it's a really really interesting exhibition of his work which is you know funny and difficult and challenging but great and um, one thing that I wanted to talk about was the um, great film which won the Golden Lion at Venice and is coming up at the British um, Film Film Festival, the BFI Film Festival, London Film Festival. Sorry, I can't remember which one it is at the moment. Definitely the BFI. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's London. But, um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but but, come on, come on. It's a Nan Golden documentary and it's I really, yeah, it's a fantastic documentary maker, Laura Putras, who brought us, um, among other things, Citizen Four, which was, you know, that like once one in a million documentary on Edward Snowden and um, she has teamed up with Nan Golden to bring us the beauty all the beauty in the bloodshed which is about Nan Golden's really interesting life but also how her life as an artist kind of self-documented battles with addiction her very exposed but visually so influential practice which showed her and her friends and their lives throughout kind of I guess the 80s and 90s um and um it's kind it kind of goes shows that and then how Nan transitioned to I don't know one of the most successful and influential activist campaigns that with the modern day like Sackler Payne campaign which saw her take a stand about the Sackler family's um, money that came from opioids basically that fueled the opioid crisis um, and they basically took a stand against it when she had a solo show at the National Portrait Gallery in London and created this ripple effect where they were basically pushed out of sponsorship in the art world but then also you know um what's come on from that since is they've actually work it hasn't finished yet has it it's still in process but they're being brought to task really mm -hmm. and you know and you know really and highlighted and helped a lot of people who have been victims of the opioid crisis in america and um i guess these um really hardcore drugs have also been kind of they're available throughout the world but america is kind of where the crisis uh 
really took hold. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think about Nan? I, I really adore her. I think I met her once with Gigi. Oh. And I remember her being great friends with Gigi, Gigi of Trolley Books. Yes. And um, yeah, I've always been a great admirer of her work. So you say that that's coming up soon at the BFI? Yeah, it's coming up at the BFI and it won the Golden Lion at Venice. So, I mean, it's already, it's getting all the nods. It's very fresh out of the gates. Can we go together? Uh, we can. Oh, we can. <laughs> art trip, art trip. I yeah. see an art trip. Um, while we're talking about art, we should do a shout out for um, In the Black Fantastic. Yes. Um, Selena um, contributed a podcast, a conversation between herself and Lena Iris Victoire which is um, available on the South Bank website. Yeah, it's on the South Bank website and also the Hay... Haywood Gallery. Yeah. <laughs> the Hay Hay. Hey Hay. Hey Hay Haywood. But I think the show's moved to New York now, so if you're listening in New York, you can go and see that. It's a fantastic show of magic, black magic, surrealism, voodoo, imagination. Oh, I just love it. I yeah. just love it. I find it really a really empowering show. It's curated by the fabulous Echo Eshen. Um, who uh, is one to watch and yeah it's just fun it kind of takes the looks at kind of black artists working with fantastic themes and afro-futuristic themes so it's really out there yeah Yeah, I really yeah I really enjoyed chatting um, and and being part of that podcast and, and the show and there's a beautiful book actually I got the book for my birthday it's fantastic so if you missed the show get the book get the book now we're gonna move on to um we're gonna start rifling around in what we've just we, we, we're kind of trying out the name at the moment we're thinking we're calling it selena's baggy bag of memories <laughs> we're calling it selena's baggy bag of memories this is a new thing whether it will carry on every um episode of roaring 20s radio i've no idea but this week we're calling it selena's baggy bag of baggy memories and um this week in my baggy bag of baggy old memories um my 1990s memories is to remember um that i started when i was a very young poet i started out um one of my first big breaks or my first big break in i was working with cold cut and working with ninja tunes and uh, this month sees the 25th anniversary count that 25 years the 25th anniversary of let us play um which is a phenomenal album it's timeless it's it's just such a capsule of what was you know what a lot of us were feeling and thinking and it was just when I listened to this music it just transports me back to sort of mid late 90s and kind of being a struggling little baby poet and roaming around the streets of Soho um, and and getting to perform and uh, be part of this album was huge for me and um, we got to do gigs all over the country and then we went across Europe and then we went to Japan it was so exciting and I was so honoured to be part of it so this uh we're just going to play a track from the Let Us Play album. We're not going to play the track that I wrote. The the uh, poem that I wrote was called Noah's Toilet, which was a reference to the death of River Phoenix um, and the Viper Rooms. And when you sort of look at what that's referenced to now, when you've got this whole thing with Johnny Depp and everything going on, it's a real little little pocket of a memory of of how how that that was all growing then and fermenting away. But um, no, I would much pr- prefer to play Timber, which was a track that was made um, in solidarity with Greenpeace. Um, it's activism. It's amazing music. It's timeless. I mean, we're still got to fight the fight for the rainforest. So let's uh, hear Timber from Let Us Play and happy 25th anniversary to Colca and Ninja Tune Records. (laughs) 
Cold Cut with Timber. Um, it's such a fantastic track. It just takes me back to such an exciting time um, in the 90s and in my early years as a poet. Shout out to John Moore and Matt Black and the team at Ninja Tunes. Okay, we're now going to go into the future world and I want to play you this track. I absolutely love this vocal. I love this musician, up and coming, brilliant, brilliant, young, new talent. Come on, bring in the fresh meat. This is Simeon Hammond Dallas. Hold on tight. Listen to this. This is from the Let's Make It Romantic EP. Um, and I'm going to play this track. Do you remember when I brought it up? You called me crazy. I tried to brush it off. But intuition overcame me. And now I think about the times you told me not to worry. something else isn't she it's a rocket up there a little girl with a big voice she's fantastic if you get a chance to go and see simeon hammond dallas live look out for her new ep just came out this month i'm so excited um whenever i hear her music i get very like wow you don't get that very much nowadays like go on exactly and it's great to see some singer songwriters yeah really good really good okay so uh my 
time for my top tips of uh, books and literary things. Did you know that this weekend is the Walthamstow Weekender? Um, so if you're in the Walthamstow um, East London area, there's all sorts going on. Um, there's talks and comedians and literary events. Tonight, I'm in conversation with Amber Marks, um, daughter of Howard Marks, and we're going to be discussing her amazing book, Becoming Mr. Nice. And then I'm also going to be doing a reading from Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. Also coming up, I'm going to be doing a gig on the 26th of September. That's Monday, and I'm doing a P. Uh, is that, ooh, e, where is it? Oh, yeah, it's at the social. Sorry, it's at the social, and I'm with Rue Callender and Bill Drummond, and that's going to be a party to celebrate um, what remains, which is a fantastic book. Is that about, Bill Drummond of the KLF? That is the Bill Drummond. The Bill Drummond. Yes, because um, Rue, um, Rue Callender and Bill Drummond work together um, to become the. I can't remember what they're called, the Undertakers of Moo Moo yeah. or something. And they're doing this amazing project where they're putting the ashes of people when they die in bricks and building the People's Pyramid. So Bill and Rue are going to be in conversation and I'm going to be doing a reading from Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. Um, the book, What Remains and the Art of Undertaking, is just such a fantastic book. You can find my review of that book, Caught by the River, actually. And um, I just really love it. It's about Rue writes so candidly about why he became an undertaker. The full title is What Remains? Life, Death and the Human Art of Undertaking. And the whole point of the book is the words human and art. And there's just something really... I don't know, I think something we all need to read and sort of connect with. Um, as you know, I've, I've you know, always been very interested in death and how we die and how we talk about death and the language around death and ritual. So this book was right up my street. So I'm very happy to be doing that event on Monday, my goodness, September the 26th at The Social. Um, and then October the 3rd, I'm doing Under the Covers at the House of St Barnabas with Louisa Young. And October the 11th, as Matt said, I'm at the Verve Poetry Night up at the Glee Club in Birmingham with repeat beat poet Elizabeth McGowan, Priyanka Joshi and Sam Grudgings. That's going to be amazing. And then last little gig that I want to plug is on the October the 15th is the Festival of Resistance. And that's at the Tate Modern. Um, so keep an eye out for that Festival of Resistance. If you feel like doing some resisting, then come and resist with us okay so books my goodness i've got such a massive list of books but i'll try not to go too fast um books on my radar books that i've been enjoying this summer books that i'm reading at the moment books i'm interested in books i've read audio books i've been loving um I'm going to kick off with Haggitude, Reimagining the Second Half of Life by Sharon Blackie. Shine on Me by Tim Wells, that's out at the moment. The Passengers by Will Ashen, that's out with Faber. Um, the Bone Library, a new poetry collection, is out now on Polygon. That's with Jenny Fagan. Um, we're a big fan of Jenny's work here on Roaring Twenties Radio. Um, Selena Nawulu, who I adore, she's done a lot of live wire events and I hope to get her on as a guest. Um, she has a debut collection, A Little Resurrection. That's out on October the 13th um, with Bloomsbury. Dean Atter has his poetry collection out. There is still love here. That's Nine Arches Press. Cecilia Knapp, her peach pig, is out. Um, James Yorkston, who I told you I was uh, touring with in July, um, he has a novel out, um, The Book of Gales. So all the reviews are coming in for that. It's looking like he's getting a it's just really sort of picking up traction. So look out for that. Um, graphic novels, I've been really enjoying. 
playing at Morrison Hotel by Leah Moore. It's so cool. Check that out if you're into graphic novels. I sometimes quite, I've been just like starting to collect graphic novels this summer, so that's definitely a standout book for me. Brand new book that's coming out next year is The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. I just got a copy of that this this week. I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it. I've just been really enjoying that. Um, and uh, it's yeah, so just check that out if you're interested in, in just it's just philosophical. It's creative. It makes you think about how you're creating, what your creativity is about, the difference between reaction and creation. And, and oh, it's, it's, it's a very cool book. I'm really excited. It's coming out in January, so I'm probably going to be reading that all day tomorrow when it's all rainy and September-y. Audiobook, it's autumn, so I highly recommend that you read Ali, you listen to Ali Smith Autumn. I've just finished it. The audiobook of Ali Smith's Autumn is gorgeous. And I'll do one more shout out. Um, I could go, I could sit doing this for hours, um, but um, out this week is Love and Let Die, Bond, The Beatles and The British Psyche. And that's a new book by the great 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 john higgs who we love um john higgs obviously who we really should get on as a guest actually such an interesting i'd love to get him on yeah interesting brilliant beautiful man brilliant soul so it'd be lovely to have him on shout out to everyone um that's been sending books i've got so many things that i would love to share if you want to hear more about my recommendations you can go to bookshop.org and there you'll find my bookshops i did a summer reads list this um a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago and uh and there's also the roaring 20s radio recommendations and i'll do an autumn one soon too yeah but just to ch- chime in there you can get a lot of our recommendations via our twitter like in the course of the next few days we will upload a listen again link for the show in case you just want to hear it all again and uh, also why wouldn't, you? <laughs> why wouldn't you and we'll have we <laughs> add links for all Matt's recommendations selena's recommendations and um some shows that i talk about as well and um, information about our upcoming guest Hetty Judah as well will be available on our socials if you want to find out more. Okay, so the next uh, piece of music that I feel like playing, I stumbled upon Beth Orton's got a new album out. I'm such a massive fan of Beth Orton. The new um, album um, is Weather Alive and we're going to play the title track. Oh 
Hello and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Emma Rose. And I'm Selena Gordon. And we are joined by the wonderful Hetty Judah. Hello, it's absolutely wonderful to be. It feels like being in a goldfish tank actually having everybody walking past in Soho able to see us here. I know, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. The last time I was on the show, it was during the pandemic. So we were all broadcasting from underneath our duvets, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that was about your wonderful book about Frida Kahlo. Thank you. And you've been very productive since then, because we're back to talk about another book. I know, and you're going to have to be back in a month's time as well, because there's another book in a month. It's, so just, it's, like, it's just like one book after another. The things I do to get on radio. <laughs> <laughs> but this time we're here to talk about how not to exclude artist mothers and other parents. That's published by Lund Humphreys and in conjunction with Sotheby's Art Institute. Um, tell me about how this started it's a very 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 long story i'm afraid um well so a few years ago as you know because you're in the art world with me there were quite a few um studies that were being done on gender balance in the art world um and we're very much still seeing a lot of that research being kind of played out i think i think there's been a tv show about art by women not selling very you know not selling for as high a price as art by men but as part of all of these um these studies into gender balance in the art world you know it really came out that basically about the same number of women study art at university or art school as men about the same number win awards you know early career awards but then there's this split that happens kind of at around the age you know like around the age of 30 or in the mid 30s where far more male artists are getting representation from commercial galleries and from that point essentially the you know in quotes value the market value of their work goes up and they're then getting institutional shows they're getting a lot more exposure um and their work's kind of getting good you know price at auction this kind of thing so this this kind of major parting of the ways happened at about the age of 30 and i was really intrigued as to whether there were kind of invisible factors in the data and it kind of occurred to me when I was chatting to Kate McMillan, who was one of the people that's been running some of these studies. So she did the studies for the Freeland Foundation. That you know, one big thing that quite often happens in women's lives in their thirties is that they they start a family. And I was intrigued to know how much of an impact that might have on an artist. So um, Kate commissioned me initially to write a little essay for the Freeland Foundation report. And this was, I guess, what I mean. It was about two years ago I've, I've lost sense of time with the pandemic I guess it was about two years ago it was before yes. the pandemic um and so I started doing doing research for the essay I guess just before the pandemic and it was just going to be like a standard essay I was going to interview let's say like six artists and because the pandemic hit I ended up I, I put a, a, an open call out on Instagram and I ended up with about 60 artists responding and oh, because wow. it was <laughs> because I suddenly had quite a lot of free time and a lot of other people had a lot of free time I ended up interviewing about 50 of those artists in depth and that basically formed the basis for the essay but also for a study into the impact of motherhood on artists careers so that was the kind of first tranche of this mm. and then um, when the report was released about a, I guess about nine months afterwards 
I, I'd really been thinking about what I could do to deal with a lot of the issues that were being raised by these um, artists, you know, about the way the art world was behaving towards them and the very exclusionary behaviour they were experiencing. So I worked with about 30 or 40 artists and together we came up with a manifesto, which is called um, How Not to Exclude Artist Parents. Um, and the book really builds on all of that work. So it identifies the issues that came up in the study and then it's more solutions based. So it's looking at artists and organisations that have tried to kind of shift the behaviour, have tried to make a difference. And so in a way it's offering different ways that we might start to behave in the art world, more inclusive ways that we might start to behave in the art world. And it's not a major plot twist, I think, to say that essentially I end up identifying a lot of these issues as not being specific to mothers or to parents that they're really to do with the kind of you know embedded um toxic behavior in the art world and the unrealistic expectations that we place on people and and just a kind of um a lack of thoughtfulness in the way that we deal with one another one thing that is just such a thing in the art world such a regular thing such a normal thing that i think highlights that issue so well is private views and when you can first see artwork, it's such a big deal. We turn up, we get to see the artwork first. It's always a big deal if you've seen it before everybody else. But they're always usually at 6pm. And they're, you know, there's always alcohol, you know, which is like, it's up to you if you want to drink it or not. But usually you do if it's after work. And um, it's they are basically parties. And not everybody can get away at 6pm for whatever reason. And not everybody, not, and you don't want, really want to drink every time either. So I, that's one thing that always stands out to me as being, and people have mentioned it as being exclusionary for parents, but which other things came up specifically for you? I mean, private views is a big thing because it's not just to do with seeing the art first. You know, it's where we go and we network. Yeah. And so if you're an artist, you're putting yourself out there, you're becoming visible. You're also there with your peer group. So you're, you know, you're becoming visible within your peer group, but also through that to the gallerists. So it's not just to do with seeing the art. It's really, you know, where the art world comes together and of course they are usually at six o'clock which is when you're doing kind of you know dinner bath time bed and, you know reading stories and that kind of thing i mean there's all kinds of stuff you know for example one of the things that's quite often really important and prestigious for an artist is to be selected for a residency um you know so to have a prestigious residency on your cv it's very much you know it's like a, it's like being nominated for an award and most of these residencies um you know, won't allow people to come with children or they are administered in a way that makes it pretty much impossible for anybody that has caring responsibilities to participate. Um, so one of the things I talk about in the book is how residencies might open themselves up, not necessarily to being child-friendly, but to being parent-friendly so they can be more flexible or they can do a kind of combined, you know, on-site and at-home residency. Um and I think there's also, you know, this this issue of um, commercial representation is a big one as well. So Kate McMillan, who I, I mentioned earlier, who did the Freelance Reports, Freelance Foundation Reports, she's done, she's been studying um, representation by commercial galleries and the gender balance in that. And one one of the issues that came up when she was interviewing gallerists was the perception that a female artist might have children and that alone put gallerists off representing them um so it's not even the fact that they had children were about to have children it's the possibility that they might do it was seen as a factor um 
I mean, I've obviously, you know, I've written quite a lot about this, so I could really keep going for a long time, but I'll I'll cut it off there and allow you to buy the book and find out more. But I mean, it happens at multiple levels. And actually, just quickly, I did say I'd stop. um, One of the big issues that I really identify is the art school culture. And I think it really all starts at art school where... You know, maternity is not seen as an acceptable subject, or it hasn't historically been seen as an and as an acceptable subject for you know, you know advanced art, and that also the art schools are not well equipped to deal with having um, artists studying there who might have caring responsibilities, which is an issue if you're promoting MA courses and the MA courses are filled with artists in their thirties who may well have children. Yeah, absolutely. And then that excludes people on another level also, because I mean, if you can afford to do an MA in your 20s, um, you can do that. But I mean, if you that lots of people have to wait until they're in their 30s to be able to afford it or to have made work to get sponsorship to pay for that time. So it's like starts to knock out people on all sorts of levels, doesn't it? like um and so and if you want to look at the uh, manifesto you can go to artists um hyphen parents.com and there it's all listed out for you and um you can see i mean you can see the manifesto and you can see get options on what you can do to learn more about this if you're a gatekeeper <laughs> and the manifesto is available in 15 languages and it's also audio described as well Lumensa did a recording of it so you can I would expect nothing it. less yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think this is so fascinating so when's the book out let's get the let's get the details well through. the book is officially out on Monday although it is out there I have it is in stock in my local bookshop at the moment and it's also this week available at TJ Bolton Gallery in Fitzrovia okay shout out to Hannah and Trolley Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and um, that leads us on to there's a whole other set of events that you're doing alongside the release of this book. Yeah, so I mean, I'm aware that in interviewing all of these artists, they obviously are incredibly generous with their time and also with really intimate and emotional stuff about their lives. I mean, they really shared things with me that I found, you know, often really painful to read. I was in tears a lot, you know, in the process of interviewing these artists um and i'm very aware that if they had not been so open with me and so generous at that time that this project simply wouldn't exist so i really wanted to you know to thank the artists involved in some way um so i um when i was looking around for a space in which to launch the book hannah from tj bolton very kindly offered the gallery and she mentioned possibly in a slightly ill-advised way from my perspective in <laughs> retrospect that there wasn't an exhibition on at that point and I said well could we do an exhibition to go with the launch of the book and you know again she may now be regretting saying this but she said yes why not at which point I emailed all of the artists who'd been involved in the study and also who'd contributed to the book many of them who'd contributed to the book and asked if they'd like to be in a show and 41 artists said yes that is phenomenal <laughs> and I don't know if you've been to TJ Bolting it's it's a beautiful gallery it's not huge it's really quite a a diminutive gallery so um i quite quickly had to kind of limit the the size of works that people could submit but so we've essentially got a mini festival that's happening um at the end of this week so it's running from thursday until saturday and we have an exhibition with so there are 38 exhibiting artists and then we also have three performing artists which is great we've got um melisande varin chloe bonfield and echo morgan are all coming and doing 
um, performances. And what's great is that we've also programmed performances during the day. So if you are uh, an artist that's looking after a child, you can come with your child to the gallery. Uh, offspring are welcome throughout the exhibition, throughout all of the events. And I think they'll probably be kind of changing mats and things if you need those. Um, so we've got uh, some live performances and we've got a, a discussion programme going on as well. So there will be lots of different events going on over those three days as well as the show. And also you can buy the book there, of course, too. Of course. And if someone wants to um, find out the specifics and times, where can they head to? So that all of the information is on the TJ Bolting website. And everything's free. Um, offspring are welcome to all events. But um, because it's not the largest space, we are asking people to book in for all of the events through Eventbrite. So there are Eventbrite links on the TJ Bolting website. Uh, TJ Bolting is T-J-B-O-U-L-T-I-N-G. Did I spell that right? You did. You did. You did. God, that, I started to do that and I realised how terrible I am at spelling things. Um, but yes, yeah, so all of the information is there and there are um, Eventbrite links on the page. So you can just click through and book your place and it's free all the answer free but please do book a space to make sure that you can get in all right we're gonna i'm gonna play a track now but i want to come back to you afterwards and ask you a little bit about um the mechanics of putting something like this together because really when you look at the timeline it's pretty impressive short amount of time to write it to write this to get all the information together to do the research and to stage a show and i want to know more about that um, but first of all, we are going to hear a track and this is kind of, I hope that it chimes in with the themes. This is Ancestress by Björk. Maker and sight her. 
Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I and Selena are here with wonderful Hetty Judah, writer, author, broadcaster, and curator. Yeah, I'm a fake curator, really. A fake rater. A fa- fake rater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, it, but you've become a curator through necessity because this show kind of happened very organically. So. Tell me how you put this together. Well, the reason I said I'm a fake curator because um, it's not that I went out to artists and said, you know, it's not like there was a kind of conceptual basis for this show at all. It was the, 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 the makeup of the artists in the show is entirely dictated by the artists that were in the study. Um, and, and I'm very, very lucky that, you know, I, there are some wonderful, wonderful artists in the study because actually there's some really great work in the show. Um, so essentially, the actual question you're asking me is, how do you put together an exhibition with no budget at all <laughs> in the space of about six weeks? I think it is. We are actually very lucky. So we've got an anonymous sponsor who is an artist mother herself. Um, so she's given us some money, that, which is just enough. So we can we've been able to give everybody a little tiny fee to cover things like postage and maybe like a train fare to London. Um, but what we've what we've done is we've tried to make it as collaborative as possible. So we instituted something called a buddy system, and this means that artists who, for any reason, be that for their caring responsibilities or because they're outside of London, who can't be here to drop work off and collect it, are paired with an artist in London who's got more flexibility at their time and so they've been coordinating on getting their works to the gallery and that seems to have worked really well there was one work that kind of went astray but it seems to have turned up that's okay um so the the idea is the artists are supporting one another and and they're also kind of helping out with participating in discussions and publicizing it and so it's 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 very much like a good study in how to do a kind of um like a 
uh, like an independent enterprise, which I'm hoping also for the artists involved might galvanise them into kind of self-organising and putting on exhibitions if they're feeling like they're marginalised and they're being ignored. That you know this experience of working on an exhibition together might might empower them to feel that they can they can work together and put on a show together as well. Absolutely, because I feel like there's a perception about success in general, which I think comes into the art world and comes into all sections of life, where success must mean competition which I think is a bit of a myth actually I mean if you're literally in the Olympics then yes but, um, <laughs> running a race but we're not all running races you know and um helping someone else and giving time and space to other people doesn't harm you in moving forward and in fact just having that support that kind of network between each other pushes everybody forward and I think that's something that's really important to talk about. Um, everybody's entitled to their personality. Some people are really competitive. But like, it's like, you know, I think it's a myth. I'm more competitive than you. <laughs> no, I, I think actually I'm more competitive than you. <laughs> I'll choose a winner later. <laughs> yes, we will tell everybody. We'll tell everybody who the winner is. But... Um, but Selena was just talking earlier while we were off air about um, choice, about making choices. And I feel like just even the prospective idea of a buddy system, of that network of support, would make choices about children and choices about taking on any responsibility as a creative. Because there is a, there are narratives about you shouldn't have any responsibility to anybody if you want to make things, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I'm sort of looking back when I was a young poet and a young artist, I definitely made a decision not to have children for the fear that it would not give me, it, that it would hold me back from, you know, talking about competition, competing with boy poets, male writers, authors, male authors, and to sort of give myself a chance as a working class writer of colour to have a baby under my arm would just be another thing, that, that I, another obstacle, another thing to, um, you know, sort of factor in. I, mean, I could barely feed myself, never mind another mouth. So I definitely made a, quite a, a decision on, on, you know, not to sort of do that, or that I wasn't, or that that was something that other people could do or that other people could afford and, and something that definitely wasn't for me um so yeah so I, I think this is just amazing it's just amazing what you've put together here i'm really uh fascinated i love the idea that anyone listening to this will will read this manifesto and read this book and feel like those choice there's more choice that uh, more choice and that we're you know we're in the 21st century now it's not that you know it's we can we are the thing we've been waiting for and there are two things i really want to kind of pick up on what you were just saying actually because and one of them is to do with image which I think in all of our different fields is really important if you're performing as a poet or if you're an artist or if you're a writer. Increasingly, image is, is currency. And there's this perception that being a mum is really uncool. And like if you're in something which has got a lot of aura to it, if you're, if you're a poet, you know, it's a very kind of erratic, you know, role to have. And there's, I think that there's, I mean, certainly as artists of my generation felt that they wouldn't be taken seriously if they had kids. 
no matter whether it had any real time impact on their career. Yeah. But there was this idea that if they had kids, they wouldn't be seen as being serious artists. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking off air, weren't we? I remember Naina Cherry just seeming on top of the pops, pregnant. Mm. I remember Bjork and just thinking, wow, imagine being able to be um, like creative as well as a mother and having yeah. that freedom, being able to tour, like take your take your child on tour and, um, you know, it's just be amazing. Um yeah, I mean, my parents toured with my brother, and uh, there's this sort of, you know, this sort of idea of the child in the wings, you know, backstage in a drawer, and kind of having, you know, taking your kid on tour. But yeah, it just seemed, yeah, it just seemed like something that would take like so much effort, so much power, so much energy, yeah. and so much money. Well, the other thing I wanted to pick up in what you said is to do with you being on an even platform with the male poets, the male writers. And this is really the nub of the thing. This is why we need to fight for inclusivity, because this shouldn't be a woman's issue. Uh-huh. You know, the whole point of this is to create like a level playing field where it's easy to be a parent and to be an artist, to be a parent and to be a poet, to be a parent and to be a writer, because there's not a perception that this is just going to be the woman holding the baby. You know, the problem is that as long as there's a gender pay gap, as long as it's more difficult for women to make it as artists, to make it as poets, that, you know, the pressure is going to be put on the women to take the time off work, to, to abandon their career, to look after the children, because if the man's earning more, then it kind of logically makes sense that they return to work. And so it becomes a kind of self-fulfilling thing where women end up dropping out of uh-huh. the creative cycle, dropping out of the kind of, you know, the world of, you know, the, the world of work in general, whether that's as a, a poet or a writer or as a, you know, or as an artist. So, the, the you know, the, really the kind of end aim of all of this is to say this is actually a societal issue. It it's really not a is. women's issue. Yeah, it really is. And that's where you then start to get choice because... In fact, it's not just a free choice you're making. You were making a, an informed choice because you knew that it was going to be more difficult for you. Mm. You know, so in fact, it's it's to actually give you the the to create a world in which you can just make a kind of free choice about whether that's something you you want to do or not, without feeling these these kind of like this pressure that it. it your entire career is going to go to hell if you make the decision to become a parent. Yeah, if you're not available, especially with social media and everything, how we're expected to be available 24-7. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love this. This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it is fantastic. What's the title of the book? One more time for it's anyone who's just... How Not to Exclude Artist Mothers, Brackets and Other Parents. And one of the things I do say in it is that there are more people inside the brackets than outside. So the the people in the brackets aren't just fathers and and um, parents who don't identify by the term mother. It's also all kinds of other people in the art world and the creative industries. Yeah, exactly. And we have also um, the exhibition and the events that are happening this week from Thursday to Sunday. Am I right? Thursday to Saturday. Thursday yes, to exactly. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So go and have a look on our socials. We will share all the links, and you can find. Hetty on social media as well, where there are links to all the information that you need as well. And that's Hetty, H-A-T-T-I-E, Judah, J-U-D-A-H. Yeah, H-E-T-T-I-E, J-U-D-A-H. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So many letters. (laughs) And now we're going to play, actually, a track selected by Hetty. And this is by an artist called Quabs. Um, friend of yours and wonderfully talented singer. And this is called Hurt A Little.
Radio. Oh, that song is so dreamy. It is. It's like, it makes me melt. It's His gorgeous. voice, like, yeah, let's hear more from Quabs. More from Quabs. If yeah. you're hearing Quabs, more, more, more. Come in as a guest. Yes. Yes, I love that. Yeah. 
And we've come to the end of our show. We have come to the end of our show. It has been our first show for a really long time. Thank you so much to everyone that's tuned in. And thank you to Hetty Judah. I'm really, I really think this is the way forward. I really love, there's so much hope and, you know, and just these glimmers of hope. I'm just reaching for them constantly. These moments of just things just getting better and people just thinking outside the box and coming up with fantastic ways to change the world. And I think we should mention she's actually in the middle of installing the show at TJ Bolting which you can which opens this week um, and she popped over in the middle of that to come and contribute to the show so thank you Hetty yeah, thank you so much uh, we're ending on a track which is actually by our first ever guest yes we're going to end the show I hope you've enjoyed the show by the way and thank you to Matt for making such an amazing poetry selection if you're listening back uh, listening Matt we hope uh, we hope that you'll get you get well soon and will join us for our show in October now we're ending the show with Rooks I love Rooks she's amazing so this is Consent the new track by Rooks